0: Welcome to the Scorecard. Many doubted we'd ever see it. Where we focus on Chicagoland and national golf news. And here it is. The return to glory. Can't help but think of the long one he made in San Diego to pick up his first PGA Tour win in style. Here it comes. Here it Watch comes. out! And there's no doubt about it. The Bear has come out of hibernation with your hosts score golf expert and editor of chicago district golfer magazine barry cronin here it comes oh my goodness and mike esposito in your life have you seen anything like that
1: johnny that's better than most how about him that is better than most
0: Presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station.
2: And we are here on your Saturday morning, getting your day started, hopefully in a good way, on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. I'm Mike Esposito, alongside Barry Cronin. He is the editor of Chicago District Golfer Magazine, this segment presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. And, Barry, good morning, my friend.
3: Good morning, Mike. How's it going?
2: Everything is good. Everything is good here. Had a great week. Uh, got out once. Uh, I'll share a little with that uh, with you in a second. But uh, everything is good, and we've got a, a nice, uh, although weather-dampened, uh, tournament going on at Muirfield.
3: We do. We do. And and even more importantly, Mike, we have wonderful weather in Chicago. It's going to be That's a little right. steamy today, but... Uh, it's going to be great golf weather, and I know uh, a lot of our listeners will be uh, maybe on their way to the course right now, or uh, uh, folks will be just uh, groggily opening their eyes, listening to the show <laughs> uh, because they don't want to miss a minute of it. Uh, we'll be uh, planning to get out a little bit later, so uh, it'll be it'll be a terrific weekend, and we're finally getting into the into
2: the golf season. No, no danger of uh, you know snow or anything. Right. I don't think. I don't think so either. I, I we were joking around over Memorial Day weekend because I think it was in the 40s when we were on the air during the uh, 6 a.m. hour. Uh, but I think we're I think summer is here, Barry. I think we're safe here on June 5th, stating that summer is here.
3: Well, of course, we have to remind ourselves, Mike, that last <laughs> the Friday before yesterday, it was 46 degrees and the wind uh-huh. was blowing 30 miles an hour out at the Glen Club where the Corn Ferry Tour. Boys were out That's playing right. the uh, Evan Scholars Invitational, so that was quite a uh, that was something that did that, that discouraged me from going there that day. Although I did go Saturday and Sunday just for fun. It was beautiful weather last uh, weekend, but uh, Friday not so much. But we're hoping that uh, June can uh, can uh, maintain the the good weather.
2: Yes, and I think I think we have it. I think you mentioned it here. I think summer is here. It's warm out. Guys are going to, and gals are going to be out uh, heading to their local course, their club, wherever they're headed to play. And it uh, should be a, a great day to uh, to get in 18. Uh, and we do have uh, lots to talk about this week, Barry. You mentioned the Evans Scholars Invitational. We'll talk a little about that. The memorial going on at Muirfield right now. Uh, the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, some news there out at the Olympic Club in San Francisco. Uh, and then our guests. I may as well give us uh, a rundown quickly of our guests on our swing thud segment from White Deer Run. Bob Malpedi will join us. He's the head pro there at White Deer Run in Vernon Hills. Uh, at 6:40, Joel Hirsch, uh, longtime uh, Illinois golf legend, Illinois Golf Hall of Famer, he'll join us at 6:40. Uh, the founder and CEO of Tour Edge, David Glod, will join us at 7. Uh, plenty to talk about there, and uh, of course, well-known products to, from Tour Edge. So we'll talk to David at seven, and uh, Nick Hardy, our old pal. I think we can call him officially friend of the show, right, Barry? Uh, There's no the doubt a friend, friend of the show. No doubt a friend of the show. Not only a friend of the show, Mike. A uh-huh.
3: listener, a listener of the show. We uh, like it. who Yeah, I saw him last week at the uh, at the tournament. He actually said, you know, I really like. I listen, I heard your show. I really like your show. I'm like. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if we can get that on the record, you know, as an endorsement. We might have to pay him though, because he's a pro. So we'll have to see about that.
2: <laughs> well, he's currently playing on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, Nick is, but uh, fingers crossed. Looks like he'll he'll make it uh, to the PGA Tour in August. So we'll we'll yeah. talk to Nick Hardy about that uh, and his success on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, but Barry, let's, uh, let's start. Actually, I may as well start with this because it was a a great experience for me. Uh, I got out, uh, one of my good friends here, uh, in town in Arlington Heights where I live, a guy named Charlie Drost is a member at Medina invited me out to play. So we played course one, uh, earlier this week. And, uh, let's just say, Barry, I finished fourth of the four and, uh, that was not unexpected. Uh, but it was a great day out there. We had a lot of fun and, uh, I was reminded yet again, uh, as the lone member uh, of our foursome, to to hit over 100, uh, why this game is so difficult. Although, Charlie, every time he would putt, would continually say, this game is easy, as he walked his putts in. I I got a good (laughs) laugh out out of that.
3: So Well... You know, Mike, uh, it's great that you. I think it's fantastic that you got out. Number one, everybody should go uh, anytime they get to go out to Medina. You mm-hmm. played. You played the course one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have three courses at Medina, and yep. of course, course number three is the big championship course where they played the U.S. Opens and the and the PGA Championships and the Ryder Cup in 2012, the most uh, unbelievable sporting event I think I've ever been to uh and a lot mm-hmm. of people say that and, but you were on course 1 which was renovated i would say gosh maybe 5 5 or so years ago you know i always you know you always underestimate the amount of time that's passed uh, but uh but and uh so it's great that you had a good time and i uh, my
2: big question to you mike is mm-hmm. did you make any pars i did I, I wow. did. And, th- and and that's, and that was uh, my, uh, I guess my achievement of the day personally is that, you know, Charlie uh, and and our other friend, Mark Toomey and Matt Bialco, the three of them. And then myself, we had a 79 and an 80 leading the pack. Uh, and then, you know, I was over a hundred, let's just uh, safely say that I did have a par, uh, a par four, I get a four and a four. Um, but I'm just, I'm just far too inconsistent. Uh, mainly with my irons, and uh, you know, if if you're if you're getting uh, par fives, I'm shooting probably a seven or an eight. Uh, but yeah. I did get a par, and I was happy Whoa. about it. And I was I was happy to just be, as you said, anytime you get a chance to go out to Medina, uh, it was uh, certainly worth it. And uh, a beautiful we had a beautiful day out, got in a great round, had fun, and uh, I didn't embarrass myself too much, just just a little bit. Well, Medina is uh, has been an otherworldly
3: place since it was built in the early 1920s by the Shriners. Mike, no kidding. And, uh, yes, it was built in the in the early 1920s by the Shriners, and hence the unique uh, clubhouse. Um, uh, yeah. So you uh, you know, and the Shriners also were involved with uh, what is uh, now Hotel Continental, and it was also. Uh, there were uh, different, you know, they owned they own Hotel Continental, Intercontinental. I'm sorry, on Michigan Avenue, where the Michael Jordan Steakhouse is now located, just mm-hmm. north of the of, of Tribune Tower, and of course uh, they had what was then called Medina Temple, which is right downtown, uh, and uh, it housed, uh, you know, recently there was a disco there years ago. I don't know. Then it was a furniture store. It's right on. Oh, God, it's going to... I think it's LaSalle and... Oh, Ontario, maybe, or Ohio, whatever. I'm sorry, I don't know. Somebody will text in, I hope, Yep. Uh, and tell us the exact street. But, you know, I I remember when I was a little kid going to the, the, the circus there. They had the Shrine Circus. This is so dating me, and I was and I hated it. <laughs> it was an awful place. I didn't like it much, but I'd rather have <laughs> been at the Sox game or something. But, anyway, my mom brought me. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh, the Shriners were, were big, and they were into golf. And then, of course, the Depression hit, and it became not the Shriners anymore. Mm. Uh, the mm-hmm. club wasn't just uh, limited to Shriners, they took in, they allowed other people to come in. So, anyway, uh, good for you, and that's great, and were you able to go, and you know, they have a magnificent uh, clubhouse and locker room, were you able to go in there?
2: Yes, yes I was, checked out all the memorabilia, checked out uh, the history, you know, the all of the different artifacts they have, and all the different souvenirs, memorabilia, everything from the tournaments played there it was really cool i mean as somebody who has has not played there before i thoroughly enjoyed it and uh i figured i'd share it with everybody else people who uh who would enjoy a, a good uh, Medina story? Uh, it was uh, it was fun. We were out there on Wednesday, and I know you have probably played it many times, but I, that, for me, that was a first. So I, I have played it a few. times. I've been very blessed to have played
3: Medina and to uh, and to meet uh, a lot of the members uh, and uh, who are just a. It's just a terrific club, and they're always really great about hosting big time events. And you know, there are a lot of golf clubs around. That uh, don't want to host uh, big events mm-hmm. because they're kind of an inconvenience to the membership because they come in, they build grandstands. There's uh, you know always, always guys mm-hmm. running around you know from the tournament, uh, uh, asking for this and that. And um, but uh, Medina membership is very welcoming. And um, two big time events. I know that uh, they're going to have a President's Cup out there. In uh, 2026, I believe, of course, they had the uh, the BMW championship there a couple of years ago when Justin Thomas won. And they're going to renovate the uh, number three course again. They've had a no number kidding. of renovations on that course. Yeah, and they're going to bring in uh, an Australian golf uh, course architecture firm uh, uh, in which Jeff Ogilvy, the former uh, U.S. Open champion, uh, is involved. And they're going to they're gonna change that course a bit. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. They're always trying to reinvent the course and to uh, be up to date with everything. And uh, can't say enough about the Medina membership and uh, um, and and they're 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 wanting to make that course and make that club uh, always better and always great for the Chicago golf
2: fan. Yes, and uh, and I appreciated my time there, and uh, we had a great day. Um, well, Mike, and, and I it, mentioned... it,
3: it, Mike. I want to just say. Sure. If people had known you were out there playing, they perhaps would have bought tickets, maybe
2: to see <laughs> you on display. You they, know? Maybe, maybe in a comedic fashion, they would have, they would have, they would have enjoyed laughing at me playing. Well, but no, if, it was. It if was, they oh. had
3: known, if they had known what hole you were going to par, they might have
2: perhaps gathered around the green. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Uh but I'm sure there were lots of pars out there uh at the Glen Club last week, Barry, at the Evans Scholars Invitational. Uh Cameron Young uh won by five shots. A nice win for Mr. Young there. Well it was Cameron Young's second um win in
3: a row, uh which is quite doesn't happen very often in on any tour. And uh, it had been quite a while since it happened on the uh uh the Corn Fairy tour. And uh uh, he was in the final pairing with uh, Nick Hardy, who was a few shots behind, uh, beginning on Sunday, and we were all hopeful that maybe, you know, Nick could, you know, maybe the guy would get nervous, <laughs> and Nick could make a few birdies, and the and uh, Cameron Young would make a couple of bogeys, and uh, Nick could win. But it was a, it was uh, Cameron Young was just was just out of sight. He was playing great, and uh, and uh, you know Nick played great too, but in the end uh, Nick and uh, Patrick Flaven from Highland Park uh, who had received a, a sponsor exemption they wound up tying for 5th they both made about 21 grand which is a pretty good week's work i think sure not as not as much as a mike esposito oh yeah but but uh, but, uh, <laughs> but the cool thing for patrick was that he took advantage of that exemption that he received from the western golf association and uh, was able to uh, play this week in Raleigh at the, um, at the Corn Ferry Tour event in Raleigh. So um, uh, it, it was good for him to be able to uh, take advantage of that. It, you, it, I know that the sponsors are always really happy when uh, the, the, uh, the, the player that they give a sponsor exemption to um, does well and makes the cut, at least makes the cut, and then uh, Patrick did more then just make the cut. He uh, finished fifth, and uh, that was uh, quite a... Uh, and Patrick had won the Illinois Open there previously uh, at the Glen Club. So uh, he was he had a good weekend, so I know everybody was, was happy about that. His his main problem after the tournament was uh, he couldn't get a flight from O'Hare to Raleigh. There, were, there wasn't any room, so there was a debate as to whether they were going to just drive the 14 hours or however mm-hmm. long. I think it's about 14 hours uh, in that direction. Yes. So. Um, anyway, so it was good to see it was a terrific tournament with it was miserable weather there on Friday but the weekend was was gorgeous uh, really beautiful yep. and uh, it was really really a, a nice event and a lot of uh, people from uh, uh, turned out to see uh, to see Nick especially they were following Nick because he was in the final pairing uh, but they were also out to see uh, Patrick who was I think he was a, a one twosome behind or one or two back so it was uh, really a nice. Uh, a neighborhood event, if you will.
2: Yeah, no, that, hey, and that we are all about the uh, the local golf scene, and that uh, do, it doesn't get any better than that in terms of uh, local golfers, local golf scene at the Glen Club for the Evans Scholars Invitational. Uh, we'll talk more about the memorial uh, later on in the show. I know you wanted to mention, though, that the U.S. Women's Open at Olympic Club in San Francisco is going on this week, and uh, there are some headlines there as well.
3: Mike, the, uh, the, Olymp- the, the, the really cool thing about women's golf now is that they're having their major championships at venues that have been made famous by the men's championship. So the Olympic Club has hosted five U.S. Opens previously, and it's just a classic golf course out in San Francisco. And um, uh, so it, it, as oftentimes is the case... Um, with a with a with an event that travels around like the U.S. Open, you know the Masters say, stays in the same place at Augusta all the time. The U.S. Open though travels around to different uh, clubs and different great great golf courses all mm-hmm. around this country, and so the the golf course becomes the star of the show, and that's what makes the the fact that the women are playing there so compelling. That the golf course is such a such an iconic venue. And here are the ladies out playing where the men played. And it, it, it gives them equal footing. And I think that every, people who are watching go, oh, I know the Olympic Club. That's awesome. Or when they play the, uh, the British Women's Open um, at St. Andrews or some other uh, iconic club that's on the uh, British Open Rota. Um, so anyway, the, uh, it's, it's a really been uh, great to see. They've had really good um, uh, uh, ratings as far as TV goes. Um, and, beca- and that's because it's being played uh, out, out out west, so you have um, uh, primetime viewing, which is which is really cool. Um, the uh, the tournament is being led by a, a woman named uh, she's 19 years old, Yuk Sasso. She's uh, from the Philippines, and uh, and also then the second place is uh, is a Korean uh, lady named Jeong Lee Six. She puts the number six after Lee. Uh, and um, so she's, uh, she's uh, tied for the lead, I believe. Anyway, oh, no, I'm sorry, she's second. Five, five under par and Yuka is uh, six under. But here's the story. Omega Ghanay, um, the daughter of Indian immigrants who lives in New Jersey, just a, she played in four um, drive, chip, and putt events at, the, at, um, at Augusta National right before the Masters. Is now in. She's tied for third place. She's four under par. She's just awesome. Uh, she she kind of bursts off the TV screen. Great personality, super smile, uh, a great young lady, and she's 17 years old. She's going to be a senior in high school. Mike, that's so something. Wait, what were you doing when you were senior in high school? Were you in the? <laughs> I, I hope you weren't playing in the women's open, but I don't think you were playing in the men's open. I...
2: I was doing no such thing, no, and that's uh, it's it's pretty amazing at 17 to uh, to be doing that, and uh, high school junior probably just finished up her junior year here as we sit on June 5th. Uh, that's that's quite a story, and we are late for a break, Barry. Oh, um, we will sure we will get back to that though too, because I want to talk more about about Mega. It's a it's a great story, uh, but when we come back, we will uh, go to our swing thoughts segment. Uh, and talk to Bob Malpedi at White Deer Run. He'll join us next. He is their head pro there as we do swing thoughts. It's uh, the Scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 right here on 670 The Score.
0: Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Just let it happen, people be the ball danny you're not being the ball danny well
1: it's kind of difficult with you talking like that. okay i'm not talking stop talking
0: and now the scorecard presents swing thoughts some free advice from the best teachers in the game
2: And we are back on the scorecard presented by Chicago district golfer magazine. And we love doling out free advice on golf and many other things, but really the show is about golf, right Barry. So that's what we're here for. So we, (laughs) we head on out to the score hotline and uh, there we uh, find Bob Malpiti, the head pro at white deer run in Vernon Hills joins us for swing thoughts this week. Hey Bob, good morning.
4: Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today?
2: Good morning, Bob. Great to have you. Bob, I was thinking
3: about where we met and that was a it was a couple of years ago. A few uh, years back, huh? A couple of years ago, but it was I'll never forget this. The Chicago Bulls had just won, I believe, their first of six championships. There was a guy on that team who really was really loved golf. Um he used to like to smoke cigars while he was playing. You could golf. play a little bit. This, I think he. Me. I think he has his own course down in Florida now <laughs> called the Grove, <laughs> and uh, he was playing with a guy named Arnold Palmer, and they were playing in the Wednesday pro-am at Stonebridge. Country Club, where they just they didn't have even any houses built out there, but it was kind of a, a, a it was a, a senior tour event back in the day, and uh, yeah, the Ameritech course,
4: Senior Open, yeah,
3: Ameritech Senior Open. and Of course, Michael Jordan playing with Arnold Palmer uh, uh, set the scene. Tell us what that was like.
4: Goodbye. No, it was it was incredible. They uh, it was it was the only senior tour that was on CBS and uh, the the mainline channels, and uh, we had forty thousand people come out that day for a senior event. It was just crazy, but uh, it really was exciting to to be able to see the people and the, and the excitement that they had with Michael Jordan. You know, everywhere they everywhere he went, people were all over him. And Arnold Palmer was so gracious. Uh, what a great guy! It, it was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll have to say, through the years uh, there, we were there. I think nineteen ninety one through nineteen ninety five were the years we were at uh, at Stonebridge. It was it was great.
3: Yeah, they did a terrific job. And one thing I remember about that is the. Um, the, the first hole is a par 5. And Correct, dog lay around. And I believe, is there water on the left, or am I wrong? No water that?
4: on one. No water on one. That's on 18.
3: Oh, that's 18. Okay, so, so uh, but there were, the people were lined up from the T all the way down both sides of the fairway, all the way to the green, and they must have been five or six deep. Am I exaggerating absolutely.
4: that? Uh, no, absolutely. My wife was in the crowd there, and, and she said it was <laughs> unbelievable, the excitement that they had. It, it was crazy. It, it was a lot of fun, and yeah. uh, Meritex Senior Open. Did, they did a great job in promoting it, and we had some great champions. Um, you know, Mike Hill, Hale Irwin. I think were a couple of the winners there. So it was good. It was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, they had some real characters back there. Of course, I believe Trevino. I believe Trevino was there. But
4: uh, Chi Rodriguez was also there. And uh, he, you know, Chi, he was always a crowd pleaser. He <laughs> was, it the was always a crowd pleaser.
3: You know, to sit in the media center back in those days and, and listen to those guys, and uh, I'll never forget when Trevino went in his pocket. After the uh, after it was over, and he pulled out, I'll never forget this. The wad of cash that he had in his pocket was was the most. was the most unbelievable thing. I, I thought, was well, this guy a Brinks driver? Is he delivering money? <laughs> it was uh, quite unbelievable. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was great. And of course, now that club's been uh, it wound up hold- hosting a couple of LPGA events a number of years ago, and uh, sure. it's good. But sure. you're out at White Deer Run, and and that I was going to ask you about. That's kind of changed hands a little bit now uh what's going to happen
4: well this is you know it's owned by the city of vernon hills and and the Peloti company had a lease on it for you know since the beginning uh in um, the uh, late 80s i think is when they came on board mm-hmm. and uh, they decided to get out of the golf business they own boulder ridge and in lake in the hills and had a lease here and uh, the heritage group came in uh it's a it's a golf group uh from the east coast and wanted to buy uh boulder ridge and then they found out about White Deer Run, and eventually purchased both of them. They purchased the lease, and purchased uh, Boulder Ridge. So it's been a good experience. They're, they've got golf courses, you know, South Carolina, Florida, and Virginia, and, and now in the Midwest, they've got a course up in Milwaukee, McQuan uh, Golf Club up there. Oh. so no, it's going to be good. They're they're golf people, and they they want to you know make improvements, and uh, we'll do a lot of things. I think it's going to be a, a positive uh, effect here on on the golf course and for the people of vernon hills
3: that's terrific all right bob now you've been around the other thing you were telling me about your own background was uh i didn't know that you had you'd run a golf course in germany on behalf of the united states government
4: i did stuttgart golf and ski club i, I was there for uh for three years and it was quite an experience to come out of college and to take a trip over to europe and all of a sudden i'm working there so my brother was an officer in the military and uh He was the uh, officer in charge of the club, and I I went over there and worked for him and eventually started to run it after he he moved on. So uh, it was was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And then
3: you went out to California. I did not know. You have a couple of impressive clubs from California in your background.
4: Very lucky uh, Riviera Country Club, of course, where they have the I call I still call it the L.A. Open. It shows you right. how dated it is, but uh, <laughs> and, well, and Dottie and Pepper still
3: calls it the <laughs> Dinah Shore too. So that's okay. <laughs> there you go. So
4: I'm in good company. Right. And then they had uh, Bel Air Country Club was another great experience with all the celebrities there. Uh, you know, I got to got to play golf a lot with Joe Namath, which uh, brings back a, a guy from the past. Uh, wow. Him and Glenn Campbell used to play a couple times a week and. For some reason, they invited me to play along, and it was a great experience. A lot of fun.
3: So, was Joe Namath as good a guy as he as he seemed to oh, be ab- on that? No,
4: he was just absolutely wonderful. He couldn't walk a couldn't walk a yard. I felt so bad for his knees were so bad. He took really? a cart all the way around, and you know, at Bel Air they take a lot of caddies. But no, he was really a nice man. Uh, he was very. When I left, uh, I went from Bel Air to Riviera, and. And when I left, he called me and he said, "You know, let's play around before you leave." And we played my last round at Riviera with him, and it was it was nice. He was, he was a good guy, good That's guy. That's
3: cool. And and Glenn Campbell,
4: Boys, late Glenn Campbell, we have to say. Sang, yeah, yes, correct. He sang all the way around. <laughs> it was it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we never knew when he was going to go into song <laughs> <laughs> when he made a bird usually when he made a birdie
3: <laughs> no wonder yeah exactly exactly well well bob having been around all these years um and i you know i don't want to date you of course but
4: no please we,
3: we look at we look at um golf and um just in terms of our swing thoughts and um, is there any, you've seen all this whole span of time, right? So do people, is the advice that you would give to people the same now as it was then? Or have people changed their golf or, or has all this equipment and the ball improvement, et cetera, helped people or are they still having the same problems as they did 30 years ago?
4: I, I would say equipment is, has been a big factor in the, in the people's game. It certainly has made it easier, just like tennis with the bigger racket. The the golf clubs have made a huge difference. You know, the basics are still the same. I think balance, by far, balance is and the grip and the setup are number one. And and when I'm teaching, uh, if you're not balanced and you're and you're hitting through the ball, you're gonna, you're ne- never going to hit the shot straight. So I, I think balance would be my first thing. The grip, the setup, uh, also important. Um, you know, some of these tour pros right now, the injuries are being caused by trying to hit it so hard. And, uh, you know, everybody sees them straighten that left leg at impact. And when you straighten that left leg and there's no release to the back, you're going to create a lot of injuries, and we see that with some of the top players. So when I'm teaching, balance is number one. Please stay balanced. Get get the center of gravity in the middle and, and the follow-through and get off your uh, right side onto your left side. So that's what I would tell the golfers today.
2: Yeah. Bob Malpiti is our guest. Uh, White Deer Run in Vernon Hills. WhiteDeerGolf.com is the website. And Bob, I was I was telling Barry in the last segment I got out and played earlier this week, and uh, what was really killing me aside from uh, you know putting, but. My iron play was so inconsistent and you know you you'd hit a good drive and then you know my iron play was extremely inconsistent. Is balance are you giving me the same advice that you just said about
4: balance there? <laughs> you, where were you hitting it? Hitting it short, hitting it right? Hitting it
2: all over the place. It was just <laughs> I would, very inconsistent.
4: I would have to say your swing path and your balance, yeah. I would have to say if without seeing you that probably is what you need to do.
3: So what what some pros might tell you Mike is uh their advice would be take two weeks off and quit. <laughs> For sure, um, I think that. I usually take
4: two weeks off and take up tennis.
3: That's
4: where <laughs> I, I would probably take
2: <laughs>
3: Well, Bob, you know when you talk about the grip, and I agree with you about the grip. And you always hear about how Arnold Palmer's dad, Deacon, told him, uh, you know, he taught him how the grip was. He said, you know, here's your grip, and don't ever change it. But then there there are people. Um, Uh, you know prominent teachers who will tell you that depending on how you how they analyze you swing the club that you should you should have a different kind of grip you know you look at like a like some of these pros like a ricky fowler right he has a pretty really strong grip and then you look at jordan spieth and he's got a pretty weak grip and i've heard people say there's no way he can be consistent on the tour even though he has three majors uh playing with that grip so you say grip but which grip
4: no, I, you're absolutely right. I think you have to look at each student, and you have to make that decision. You know, the main thing is you never want to get the grip in the palm of your hands. You always want to get it in the fingers. Mm-hmm. And I, I see a lot of a lot of swings with the grip. They're gripping it too tight. Mm-hmm. So no, the strong grip, the weak grip. You know, it depends on the student. Uh, I, I would say most of the students you're teaching, at least that I'm teaching, are are you know beginner students. They're they're more of the middle of the road golfers. So I'm going to try to stick with the basic with them, and if I have to get a little stronger grip just to help them get through the shot, I'll do that too. So.
2: Mhm. Mhm. All right, Bob. Well, you know what? We are out of time, unfortunately, well, in the segment. I definitely enjoyed the uh, the tips, and uh, certainly I'm sure our listeners enjoyed hearing a little Joe Namath uh, and Glenn Campbell stories. Who who knew?
4: <laughs> A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Barry, Mike, good to talk to you, and see you out on the golf course. Come on out and play.
3: Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it very much. Mike's going to come out, and, and uh, it's going to be it's going awesome. That's we gotta, right. We've got to get a crowd for him.
4: I've got to take a look at those irons. <laughs>
2: that, <Exactly>. Yes. <laughs> Bob, I, Bob, I need all the help you can give me, my friend. So <laughs> we take appreciate care. it. Thanks That's so much, uh, Bob. Bob Melpiti from a White Deer Run, whitedeergolf.com. If you'd like to uh, hit up Bob for a private lesson or make a tee time booking, any of that, you can uh, certainly do that uh, right there uh, on the website, Barry. And uh, I, I should mention, too, uh, as we talk more about what's forthcoming up in the show, we'll talk to David Glott at 7. He is the uh, founder and CEO of Tourage, Nick Hardy from the Corn Ferry Tour, from the U of I, from Northbrook. Uh, uh, he will join us at 7:40. But coming up next, Barry, uh, a man with a very colorful story, longtime uh, Illinois golf uh, personality, and I, I guess do we call him legend, Barry? Illinois yeah, Golf I Hall bl- of Famer. Yeah, no, there,
3: I there's no doubt that that that, that Joel Hirsch is uh, is one of the uh, great legends of Chicago golf. He one of the great amateurs in, in the game, and. We in Chicago where it's a big market so we like big name people, Tiger Woods and you know Arnold Palmer that we just discussed, Michael Jordan. So there are there are people who exist quite a little bit under the radar but who are still
2: unbelievably accomplished and fabulous and that would be Joel Hirsch and he's coming up next. Yep, we will talk to Joel in a moment. This segment brought to you by Chicago Dogs Baseball. Chicago Dogs Baseball is in action this weekend at Impact Field. Promotions include fireworks, a T-shirt giveaway, and Family Sunday. Get your Chicago Dogs tickets now at thechicagodogs.com. When we return, Joel Hirsch will join us right here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score.
0: Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station.
2: And we are back on The Scorecard. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito here with you. The tour at Muirfield, Barry. We have Ohio music this week. We do. Nothing says Ohio a little more than the Pretenders.
3: Oh, one of the great songs of all time. So and the great have... intros
2: of all time. Very popular. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. Uh, we will we will be Ohio heavy, as they say here on uh, on the the scorecard today. Uh, I also wanted to remind everyone before we get out to Joel uh, that uh, to log into the CDGA's website, cdga.org contest. Uh, our contest, register to win a CDGA season starter pack. You would get an imperial hat, towel, and zero-friction super tube with Spectrum at balls, tees, and a universal fit glove. Everything you need to start the season, uh, so cdga.org slash contest. But, Barry, let's now head on out to the uh, score hotline. Uh, he is a, a member of the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame uh, his His resume is extremely impressive and many miles long, but we're pleased to welcome Joel <laughs> Hirsch onto the scorecard today. Good morning, Joel.
1: Good morning, Barry Mike. Nice to hear your pearly tones.
3: <laughs> nice to thanks, thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us, Joel. Um, uh, you probably want to know that you' uh, that your uh, alma mater, uh, University of Illinois, made it to the quarterfinals of the NCAA and one of their players, Michael Feagles. Finish fourth in the individual, so so they're doing great, and uh, I know you're happy to hear that.
1: I sure am. Mike Small has done a fabulous job. There's he really that, he they're is. A, they're a great team and uh, a great franchise down there.
3: Right. Well, Joel, uh, you have you are a legend of Chicago golf. Uh, people, you're a little bit under the radar because you're not on the Pro Tour, so people don't always uh, recognize the amateur game. But uh, uh, you were—you turned 80 the other day, and uh, you, you, you won two British amateur championships, 96 and 2000, back-to-back winner of the Illinois State Amateur, a CDGA player, uh, player of the Year a couple of times, four-time Western Open participant. The last one, you were 58 years old. Joel, you play golf all the time. How much have you been playing lately?
1: Well, today I'm taking off uh, in the last twenty eight days I played twenty six and uh, I was on the road. We were on the west coast for my birthday and had a great celebration, so I was getting up in the morning between five fifteen and six thirty every morning. I don't mind doing that because I'm so passionate about golf, but meanwhile I wore myself up. So I know since yeah. I'm taking today, and I'm uh, gonna have withdrawal symptoms, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, I'm going to not play golf today.
3: Oh wow! Well, and typically when you play, play Joel, how many holes a day do you play?
1: Well, I play 18 for sure, but a lot of times I'll play 36. You know, I don't walk all 36. I'm playing a 36 hole day, I walk nine. And uh, ride 27. If I'm playing 18, I typically will just walk all 18. By the way, the uh, in 96 and 2000, those were senior British amateur championships. I was runner-up. I never won the British amateur, but in 81 at St. Andrews, I was runner-up in the British amateur. I'm still upset about that, but uh, it was nice winning two seniors. uh uh, to kind of take some of the pain away. Yeah, well, By the way, I, I've got to say something. You know, I'm, I'm, I read this June edition of the uh, Chicago District Offer. I'm telling you, you guys put out the greatest magazine. You here, the editor, and you just do a wonderful job. The advertisements are even, even fabulous. I'm, I'm reading this and think, geez, you know, I got to get back to Bermuda. For, I've never been a French flick. <laughs> there, yeah. I got to go back there. And I mean, it's like the Glen Club. I mean, you got all these wonderful spots and great advertise advertisers in uh, the magazine. To say nothing of the wonderful articles and all that. I mean, it, it's a terrific publication. Thanks for sending well, it over. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joel. That's uh, that's
3: very much appreciated, and we really love our advertisers. Uh, I love the advertisers sometimes more than
2: I love the writers, but that's okay. That's, <laughs> that's a, that's a a... <laughs> well, and, and Joel, we wanted to we wanted to talk to a little about your your uh, your background. And what fascinated me is that as I was reading in in your mail here on the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame page, is that you are primarily self taught. I am fascinated. So how did that come about? And I know you you grew up playing at Sunset Valley, where uh, you 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 helped uh, support uh, the the new uh, short game
1: area. Yes, uh, Sunset uh, is very close to my heart. I started caddying there when we moved to Highland Park from Buffalo, New York, when I was 11 years old, 1952, and um, it it was great for kids. Center of Highland Park, I could. We lived in West Highland Park. I could drive my bike over, and uh, sometimes I'd shag balls when the pro gave a lesson. Back in those days, there were no driving ranges uh, to speak of. Courses just uh, had in a little area, maybe down the 18th highway, uh, where the pro would give a lesson. So I get it for all the best players. Uh, not only were they good players, but they were the best tippers, and I always knew where to find them, even at
4: eleven. <laughs> so
1: I uh, would caddy for them, and you know, watching them, I learned how to play. And then when I was shagging balls for the pros, pro Bill Chambers was pro's name. He was terrific old guy, and he uh, was probably like four or five, but he was old for me when I was eleven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, after the lesson, you might say, Joe, let me see your grip. i tweak it a little bit. And then, too, you know, I'd be doing some more uh, uh, shagging form. You know, a couple of weeks later, Joe, let us see. You see, hit a couple balls. You know, your alignment's a little off. So that's really how I learned to play golf. So, you know, not formal lessons, but I got plenty of help in Sunset Valley. Was just the most wonderful place uh, growing up. And as an adult today, it, it is a fabulous way to get an award. Best number one international reservation for uh, public golf course in the world. I think right. it was 2018 or 2019. Rick Jacobson did an absolute fabulous job. He's a wonderful architect. who restored That golf course, and they're going to do 45,000 rounds this year. They were doing like 18,000, 19,000 before the renovation. Golf was in a slump, and as you know, golf has really taken off. It's fabulous. And again, and uh, that golf course, people are voting with their dollars. I mean, they're just coming out to the votes. And now with this new short game area, it's even better yet.
3: Hey, Joel, I just wanted to ask you, going back a little bit, when you got out of the University of Illinois, um, what, early 60s or whatever, mid-60s, you did 60s, you ever yeah. – yeah, so did you ever think – and you know Arnie and Jack and a lot of pros, et cetera, over the course of your life and career. Did you ever consider turning pro, and what what helped you make the decision not to? Uh,
1: Perry, what happened was up until I was 19 – I wanted to be a professional touring golfer. And not a club, club pro. Um, I have enormous respect for club pros, but I wanted to be a tour player. And I here in the university had a golf scholarship at the University of Houston. The university of Houston back then were winning eleven out of thirteen NCAA championships and all. And it was harder to golf. So if you really wanted to know what your chances were, that's the place to find. And if you were fortunate enough to get a golf scholarship there, that was really the cat's be out. So I got one. I go down there. I'm like six man on the freshman team. I'm uh, There are uh, about a dozen guys on the varsity team, about 10 of them that beat me most days. And I knew I was going to get Continue to get better and better, but I started looking at the money list for the pros that were on tour. I think Jack Wall, uh, I mean, Art Wall, in 1960, um, which this time period covered, uh, was a leading money winner. I think he won 64 grand. Now you go down 20, 25 spots. And you see guys, uh, you know, making 25 grand or whatever. And uh, not that, that isn't a lot of money, mind you, especially back then. But, you know, I try to figure out where I'm going to end up. And I got uh, five guys on the freshman team that could beat me at Houston. About eight guys on the varsity team that can beat me. And I started thinking there are some guys on the tour that can beat me, of course. And... Uh, I'm thinking I had to get my tail to University of Illinois, maybe get a little better education. And uh, not that University of Houston isn't a fine school, but uh, I wanted to get closer to home, make some contacts. And I decided then that uh, I was going to pursue an amateur in business curriculum
3: good so that was obviously a great decision because you've uh, have obviously had a fabulous business um a career in the insurance and real estate and everything that uh guys like me don't understand so uh <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, really really a great career and, and of course your ability to your give back to the game has been uh, is uh, second to none and uh we really appreciate you uh being on and 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 all your uh your philanthropy toward the uh, sunset valley uh short game area over there is as i know very much appreciated by the folks up in highland park and uh, by rick jacobson who designed it and uh, by our good buddy ed sherman who's on the uh, committee
1: yes ed's a wonderful fellow great he uh a lot of good stories about ed he is uh <laughs> He is really special. Do you, have, do
3: you have a second? Well, we probably got to go to break here. Um, but okay. so we
1: yep. so we
3: do appreciate having you so much, Joel. Um, he, you're a legend of uh, golf in Illinois, a member of the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame, and I hope that uh, you being on the show uh, helps uh, people who may not know who you are uh, in in golf in Chicago be aware that uh, their greatness in our in our midst, and uh, we really appreciate you
2: being on.
1: Very, Mike, you're very sweet to have me. Thank you very much. You men have a great weekend.
2: You too, Joel. Joel. Have a great day. That's uh, Joel Hirsch, member of the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, Fascinating backstory. And uh, we we could have talked to him for another segment, but uh, alas, we cannot uh, as we have to move on. But we do. I mean, hey, hour two coming up, my friend. You got Nick Hardy at 740 uh university of illinois northbrook and uh corn ferry uh tour player a friend of the program as we like to call him but coming up next uh the ceo founder and ceo of tour edge uh, david Glod, will join us now that's a fascinating story uh we'll talk to david next uh and talk about some of his new products and uh, the backstory to tour edge which is also uh, a fascinating story all of that And more when we come back on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito here on 670 The Score.